So this morning I uh, intend to, or hope to bring clarity to the reason of the cross. And we are going to have communion together at the end of the service. So if you haven't got a communion pack, you can just raise your hand right where you are and now. Uh, helpers will get one to you, so if you need one, just raise your hand up nice and high. Also, just want to welcome any visitors that we have with us this morning and want to give you a very warm and good welcome from us. Let's give our visitors a hand this morning, um, those who come out this morning. So right from the outset, being a Christian, being born again, is all because of the fact that Jesus Christ gave of himself. He gave his life for us. So I want to make it clear that we are saved from sin because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's why we're here this morning is a special day out of our whole year to remind ourselves, to bring ourselves back to that reality that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the, the whole and complete purpose of our salvation. And uh, it's something we should celebrate. And it was so good this morning. Uh, listening to your voices, worshipping that fact this morning. And uh, as Beth mentioned, our theme this season is the word redeemed. Because Jesus compensated us by offering himself for the entire world. Can you imagine that? So oftentimes, if you've been wronged, you want compensation. Is that true? I know if, I, if I've been wronged, if, if someone's taken something from me, I, I'm looking for, comp- you've got to compensate me for what you've taken. Is that correct? Well, see, what's happened with the world is the world wronged God and he came and paid the compensation. He paid the redemption price and we were the ones who wronged him. So it's that, it's that amazing grace of Jesus that says, well, you're the ones who hurt me, but I'm the one who pay the penalty. It's amazing transfer of God's goodness and grace to us uh, in that word redeemed. So on the cross, Jesus, our Redeemer, paid a greater value, a value not of this earth, a value from heaven to save the world. And we can make that generic save everyone else, but he did it to save you. I want to bring this really down personally this year, that your Redeemer came to save you came because he saw your condition, he saw your hurt, your pain, your, your uh, grievances or whatever it is that you are d- dealing with and he wanted to make the way right for you. So we're going to just look at the story of, um, of Jesus this morning and take us to the story um, found in Matthew chapter 26. I've used that really as a foundation, I, I'm, except for some Old Testament scriptures I'm going to bring today, I want to focus Uh, the whole story that I'm looking at today from Matthew chapter 26. So it starts in verses 2 to 5, and um, it says this. This is um, Jesus right now. He says, As you know, Passover begins in two days. He's talking to his disciples, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. When Jesus uses the term Son of Man, it's like his own uh, description of himself uh, as the Son of God and the Son of Man, as, as, as in the flesh. So he says, uh, as, you, as you know, Passover begins in two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. At the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Cephas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. So Jesus is having some time with his disciples and at the same time, the religious leaders are planning and plotting how they're going to kill Jesus. So they, let's make no mistake, there was an effort made to 
kill Jesus. So they go on to say, but not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. But as we know, they bypassed and fast-tracked their own plans and did it during the, during the Passover um, because they saw an opportunity and they took it to take Jesus. So Jesus, uh, if you just think of the Last Supper, there was a table set in the presence of his enemies. So that Last Supper was a table set in the presence of Jesus' enemies. Let's just move down to Matthew 26, verses 14 and 15. It says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests, the same people who were plotting to try and trap Jesus to have him murdered. One of Jesus' own disciples goes to them and says, How much will you pay me to to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. I find that totally amazing and incredible that he came to them and straight away they say, we'll give you the money up front. We'll pay you now um, before. You know, normally in the transaction, people say, well, you do the job and then we'll pay you later. But these, these people were so determined to destroy Jesus, to make sure that they could get him, that they said, we'll pay you now and make sure that you do the job. So Judas cleverly thought that he could betray, uh, could betray Jesus without Jesus knowing it was him. I believe that's, that's true. He thought, I will do this, but Jesus will never know it was me. He'll, he will never think of it, that I was the one who did it. So, but Jesus, in a prophetic description of, the, of that moment, in Matthew 26, verses 20 to 21, it says, When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with his 12 disciples that... Um, that Uh, that table in the presence of his enemies. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And he already knew who that one was. And and he, uh, you know, I think Judas must have thought, you know, uh, but he can't know. No one else could have told him. So Jesus, in effect, is saying to his disciples, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be accused of things I never did. I'm going to be condemned to death and crucified and one of you is going to be putting me in. It's going to be the one who, who uh, allows this to happen. So in verse 22, I think I'll just paraphrase this. It says the, the disciples were distressed at this newsflash that Jesus just said, I, I, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And it goes on to say, each one of them said, is it me, Lord? Is it me? Is it me? And um, Jesus knew who it was. Matthew Moving on to Matthew 26, verse 48. It says, The traitor Judas, this is now we've moved on from that moment, had given the, the guards and the, the, the temple police a prearranged signal. He said, You'll know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas, right up to that point, even though at the supper Jesus had identified that he's going to be betrayed and identified who it was, um, uh, we still real, realize that, that he thought he was anonymous. He thought he could do this without Jesus' knowledge. So Jesus was betrayed with a kiss, the signal to the soldiers, this is the one, this is the man. And Judas kissed Jesus in public, but privately condemned him. Isn't that amazing? He he pretended, I'm your friend, I'm pretending to be on your side, Jesus. I'm coming with a greeting of a kiss. You don't come and kiss your enemies, so to speak. And he was... He was being deliberately deceptive, thinking that Jesus didn't know what was in his heart. Judas is an undercover 
hater. So out of this betrayal, though, this is the, the, the amazing part about, uh, about this whole story. Out of a betrayal worth 30 pieces of silver, Jesus redeemed the world and he redeemed you. Now, I know we, we've got all kinds of commentary on how much that 30 pieces of silver will be worth today. Some people say it's worth a lot of money. Other commentators would say, well, it was worth under $200. I'm not really sure. But whatever it is compared to Jesus, it's, it's a very, very small amount, no matter which way we look at it. But Jesus became flesh in order to reveal God himself more perfectly to us. So Jesus came in the flesh so that he could reveal God's character more perfectly to the world. So I want to tell you something. Jesus experienced the injustice of betrayal, not only from Judas, but if we look at Matthew 26, um, verse 56, it says all of the disciples deserted him. They all left, and that's, that's another layer of betrayal. We think, well, Jesus got betrayed betrayed by one but you know at his darkest hour when you think well it'd be a good time to have some people stick by me at least walk with me to the trial it says they all ran away I mean Peter followed it says at a distance and then when he had an opportunity to stick up for Jesus he said I don't know the guy I don't know what you're talking about I don't know him and it says he swore with his best fisherman language not me I don't know the guy and uh and so Jesus was was uh he technically betrayed by all the disciples when they deserted him in that hour. So I guess we've all, at some point in our experience, have suffered injustice in this life. And for many people who have suffered an injustice, they have many questions and sometimes many questions for God. And I'm going to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ can carry your injustice, can deal with the deep hurts of our life because he has carried them in his body, in his, in his experience. So Jesus knows the pain of betrayal because he was betrayed. Jesus heals the hurt of our betrayals. Through Jesus, you can have your betrayals redeemed today. So you might feel that, um, you, that there's been a betrayal in your life. And we, you know, unfortunately, there's, there's the, uh, uh, the betrayal of divorce. There's the betrayal of uh, sometimes uh, losing our job. Um, and, and others have conspired against us. There's, there's family betrayals. There's betrayals among friendship groups where once we were close friends but now no longer. Uh, they're, they're the kind of betrayals that we live. There's, there's many, many other ways in which we have sensed and experienced the betrayals of life. But as we know, Jesus was arrested and was condemned to die with criminals through a betrayal. And he carried that so that when we have those times, and we will, we can say, Jesus, you are a, an advocate, the one who knows what this feels like, and you defeated that betrayal so that I can live in victory past it. So Jesus' sentence was crucifixion, uh, which meant to be nailed through parts of his body to a wooden cross and hung there until dead. And the most amazing part about it is that it says they couldn't actually find a charge that they could, they could condemn him on. And they made up charges and then they, they, they uh, pushed ahead with this sentence even though there wasn't grounds for that. So added to, to that sentence, he was humiliated. It says he was stripped um, and uh, that, that means he was naked and uh, exposed but at the same time, humiliated, spat on, punched a few different 
uh, times you see that, first of all, the, the, the Jewish leaders began to spit on him and punch him and demand who hit you that time. They blindfolded him so that he couldn't physically see. Um, he was beaten with, with a, a, a wooden stick. Um, he was whipped. Um, and all these things before being hung upon the cross. And I just think that there was um, so much uh, put upon him. He was physically depleted psychologically tormented with, with uh, the abuse and the taunts and the insults of those who were there to take him out, to destroy him. When you think of all that, I ask the question, why Jesus? Why did you do that? Why did you have to do that? What's the, what's the reason behind this? There's a very spiritual and very powerful reason why Jesus came, because he is, he is God in the flesh, says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now Jesus... Our Redeemer took all the penalty that belonged to the world upon himself for every generation. He took the penalty of that distance between God, that rebellion against God, and said, I'll deal with that and I'll break the power of death. So Hebrews 2 verse 17 says, Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And I, and I just see that there's such a, a perfect explanation of the, of the why behind Jesus. So the other thing I just want to, I always like to bring at these times, is the prophetic insight from the past that spoke into and described Jesus. So these things were all prophesied in the ancient prophets. Um, Jesus didn't just turn up unannounced on the earth. His life, his purpose is all prophesied over, over and over in the books of the Old Testament. And we'll see, I'll just give you just a few, but I think you find when you, when you begin to see from the very start of the, of the Bible all the way through, you see the, the, these, the prophecies of Jesus being exposed. So I'll give you just a few this morning. Isaiah 53 verse 56, a very, a very popular prophecy of Jesus. And if we think of the cross, we'll see him in this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And I, I think we clearly identify Jesus in that scripture as as a scripture, as a prophecy fulfilled in Jesus. So I'll give you some more prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Zechariah 9 verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And as we know, his entry to Jerusalem before the crucifixion, he came on a donkey's colt, um, didn't, didn't come um, 
in a, in a gold-plated chariot with white stallions, he came humble on a donkey, just as prophesied in that scripture. So we see, I'm just going to go through really quickly from that piece of scripture, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, because we've got to realize Jesus didn't just turn up on the scene unannounced, unplanned. God had orchestrated and planned his appearing, his, his uh, death, burial, and resurrection for the salvation and the redemption of the world and the redemption of you. We've got to make it personal this morning that God had you in mind when he came as Jesus on the cross. So um, Matthew 21 verses 2 to 9, that uh, uh, Jesus riding on a donkey's colt fulfilled. Uh, let's see, uh, Zechariah 9 verse 10, it says, He'll, his realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. We go to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, Now go into all the world and make disciples uh, uh, and uh, um, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff. So, what we see there, uh, prophecy fulfilled. Go to all nations. Um, verse 11 there in, in uh, Zechariah 9, verse 11. Because of the covenant I made with you, sealed with blood, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, uh, Jesus left the tomb alive, uh, prophecy fulfilled. And uh, verse 12 says, Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I'll repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Um, this part is a prophecy that is up to you to live out. This part is like, I want you to say in your life, prophecy fulfilled because uh, I've learned to, to trust and believe and live in the goodness of God and I've seen two blessings for every, for every problem, for every, uh, everything that, I, that I've ever had against me, every trouble. So I believe you can witness the fulfillment in your life of that scripture and say prophecy fulfilled because it's happened in my life. So you may not see it right now. You may not feel that right now, but redemption in Jesus for you is fulfilled upon the cross. And it's, it's uh, obtained by believing. It's obtained by faith in that Jesus did it for you. It's fulfilled on the cross. Redemption in Jesus for you is fulfilled on the cross. It's a prophecy over your life. So I believe God is calling people back in these days. I believe God is calling to the people of Port Lincoln back into his purpose for their life. This Easter, I'll take two blessings for one trouble. I'll, I'll take that any day. I want the two, I want the two blessings for, for the day of trouble. I'll have two days of blessing and one day of trouble all the time because that's what God's promise is. So we need to, we need to learn and discover that, that putting our faith in Jesus, whatever, whatever trouble comes upon us, we're going to say, well, that's okay because God has has going to double bless me. So who's had some trouble today? You can give me a wave. If you've had trouble in your life, well, you can say, you know something? I'm going to have double days of blessing and prosperity in my life. Can I just have some music back with me, please? And I think we, we, we ought to live with a, a spirit of celebration that we are redeemed by Jesus. And he brought us back to God. He brought us back to right relationship with God where we can be people who live with that blessing of God 
upon our life. So we're going to have communion together right now. And just if you, just to give you a bit of an explanation of your little communion kit here, there's a little clear film on the top that you need to peel back first, and that reveals a little wafer. And then there's another little tab on the side which you can peel back, and that gets you to the juice inside. So if you can just prepare yourself for that, and then we'll uh, partake together at the very end. So this morning we do, we do come back to commemorate, remember, and uh, reflect upon the cross and what that meant to Jesus. The power of the cross is that you can be set free from all that the enemy has wanted to bring against you, from all the trouble that the enemy has brought upon your life. You can be set free from that through the power on the cross. And I want to pray in a moment, particularly for those of me that have carried the burden of betrayal. As I was thinking about this morning and praying about this service, I really believe that there, there maybe it's only for one person here today, but maybe there's more. But you've carried a burden through your life of a betrayal. And it's like your life was was permanently scarred, or there was a there was like a line drawn in your life that said, from that moment of betrayal. You've never been able to be normal again. You've never felt right. You've never, you've never felt good. But I want to tell you from this morning, through the power that Jesus unleashed on the cross, you can, you can leave this place completely set free of those betrayals. And as we take communion today, something I believe is going to shift in people, perhaps shift off the culture of even of the church. Because Jesus confronted the betrayer and used it to win your redemption. Do you know that? Jesus confronted a betrayer and purchased your redemption. So what the devil thought, hey, I'm going to destroy the plans of God, actually played into God's plan. Is that amazing? The Apostle Paul gives us a great example of says this, 1 Corinthians 11, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. On the night He was betrayed. It's really important that we see that. He faced your betrayal. On the night that He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then He broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took a cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and His people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. So I just ask that you hold your your emblems in your hand this morning. I'm going to pray for you today. And then we're going to eat and drink together. So can we just do that? I'm going to pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, just as we hold in our hands emblems of your broken body, the essence of the power of the cross is in our hands right now. And I pray, Lord God, that over every single person, whether they have struggled with a betrayal in their life or whatever it has been that has caused them to find that trouble, 
that Jesus, you have confronted that trouble. You have confronted the sin, the rebellion in our life. And you paid the penalty for us. You redeemed us on the cross. And we don't want to stray our thoughts or our spirits far from that redemptive work that you did for us. And this morning, as we eat and drink together, Lord, I pray that we may experience a new sense of freedom, a new day of living, a new separation from the betrayal days to the days of blessing. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's eat and drink together this morning.